0: You are listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network.
1: Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. Hi,
0: this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 79. Today's
1: reading is from John chapter 8, verses 42 through 51. The Lord said to the Jews who came to him, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded and came forth from God. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks according to his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I have not a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he will be the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Right away in today's reading, I am convicted by Christ's words in verses 43 and 44, which I'll read again. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. Father, what should we take away from these verses?
0: Well, the first thing we have to do, as we almost always discuss on this podcast, is to take a step back and look at the broader picture to see the context of Jesus' words here in the passage you just read.
1: And what is that broader context today?
0: This whole scene from which you read just a few verses is set at the beginning of chapter 8. So it begins a full 41 verses before where you picked up today. And I don't think we can understand today's passage properly. We can't understand things like what Jesus means when he tells the Pharisees that their father is of the devil, unless we discuss this broader context.
1: Yes, I've certainly learned uh, from our previous episodes that the context and the setting of each story is is really of great importance. So let's go ahead and, and take a step back uh, to the beginning of chapter 8 in John's Gospel. And chapter 8 begins with Jesus going to the Mount of Olives. So, Father, is there anything significant uh, in that, in your opinion?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and we'll see this play out in the story leading up to the passage from which you read today. But even more broadly, I want to point out something that, I honestly, I can't remember if we've mentioned it on this podcast before, but I know for sure I've mentioned several times in sermons, including during this past Holy Week. And that is the connection in Greek, the language of the New Testament, of course, So this connection in Greek between oil and mercy, and how the New Testament plays off this connection many times, and how our church also plays off this connection between oil and mercy in the service of holy unction.
1: Yes, uh, I remember you speaking about that before, Father, uh, but before you do that today, uh, and just so that I'm clear, are you saying that the Mount of Olives is significant in this respect because the oil comes from olives?
0: Yeah, that's correct, Jason. The oil that we use in the church and that was used in biblical times came from the olives, and so that is why the Mount of Olives is significant here, as we can discuss. Good,
1: good. So I just wanted to make sure uh, that we were clear on that. Now, as to the, uh, the connection between oil and mercy, would you explain that further?
0: Yeah, so in biblical Greek, the words for oil and mercy are exactly the same except for the last letter of the word. So the word for oil is eleon, And the word for mercy is Elios. So in English transliteration, you can hear the only difference is oil ending with the letter N and mercy ending with the S. But they both begin with Elio. So you can hear the similarity. And throughout the New Testament, there's a play on oil and mercy. You can see this perhaps most clearly in Matthew 25. That chapter begins with the ten virgins and discusses how much oil they have in their lamps. The parable really only makes complete sense if you understand that the use of oil in that parable is a play on mercy. The five virgins who had sufficient oil had shown great mercy to others. The five with insufficient oil had not shown mercy. And that's why the five that do have the sufficient oil mention that they cannot share their oil with those with too little. And you know, otherwise it really makes little sense, right? If, it, if it's actually physical oil that we're talking about that goes in lamps, there's either plenty to share or you can just walk next to the one who has sufficient oil and you can still have the lamp lit. So there's all sorts of ways to get around the problem if we were speaking about physical oil. But if you understand the parable is talking about the judgment and how we will be judged based on whether we showed enough mercy to others, then the parable makes complete sense.
1: And Father, just to... To support that point, I'll just quickly note that Matthew 25 ends with the passage we reread on uh, Judgment Sunday, the parable of the sheep and the goats. And in that parable, we hear about how the great judgment is based on how much mercy we showed, whether we visited the sick and the imprisoned, whether we clothed the naked and and fed the hungry and gave drink to those who are thirsty, uh, whether we accepted the stranger.
0: Yeah, thank you, Jason. That's exactly right. And you can see then Now, the parable that plays on the oil and mercy is doing exactly what I mentioned, which is teaching us that the great and fearful judgment ultimately comes down to how we treat others, whether we extend the same mercy that God first gave us to others in need of his mercy. And that's exactly what the parable of the talents does. And that's the parable that comes between the parable of the wise and foolish virgins that I just mentioned, and then the parable of the sheep and the goats that we read on Judgment Sunday. So I don't want to get too sidetracked because I want to get back to John 8, but suffice it to say for now that if you read the parable of the talents in Matthew 25 and you understand the talent, which was a form of money at that time, you know, not talking about whether you had talent to sing or were good at sports and those types of things that we think about talent today, but if you understand the talents as mercy, then you can see what's happening. The master gives his servants mercy in advance, and when he comes back to check on them, to judge them, to see what they've done with those talents, with that mercy that he gave them. The first two servants had gone out and multiplied the mercy, but the final servant kept it to himself. He buried it in the ground, and he's condemned because he did not spread the mercy that was first given to him by the master to others.
1: Thanks for pointing that out, Father, and uh, for making that connection, uh, that bridge between those three parables of Matthew 25. Uh, But like you said, let's get back to John 8 you've established uh, the scene is set in the Mount of Olives and we've discussed uh, that's how you get oil uh, from the olives and uh, we showed the connection between oil and mercy in the New Testament so how does this all relate back to John 8 and Jesus's condemnation of the Pharisees and him telling them that their father is the devil
0: so immediately after John 8 moves us to the Mount of Olives the Mount of Mercy we hear about how Jesus was teaching in the temple and the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman who had been caught in adultery. And John mentions how they told Jesus that she was, quote, caught in the very act. So in other words, it wasn't just an accusation that was being made against her. People saw with their own eyes that it happened. There was no mistaking it. It's not some sort of a false accusation. And hopefully we remember the story. You know, In a nutshell, Jesus shows mercy on this adulterous woman. Now, it's important to point out what the scribes and the Pharisees would have been thinking or implying in bringing this woman to Jesus. In the Mosaic Law, in Leviticus 20.10, we hear, If a man commits adultery with another man's wife, with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress are to be put to death. So this entire situation, Jason, that leads up to the passage you read today is about the scribes and the Pharisees testing Jesus. They bring to him this woman who, according to their law, because of her adultery, being caught in the act of it, should have been put to death. But Jesus poignantly shows them this is not the correct path, this path of judgment and condemnation. Because as St. Paul says, we are all guilty of violating certain aspects of the law and therefore according to that same law we are all condemned to death and punishment by that law but jesus shows a different way the law of mercy and grace and so jesus gets down in the story gets down on the ground and starts writing with his hand and we don't know exactly what he writes but it ends up with jesus looking up telling them look if you're all not guilty of any sin then go ahead You cast the first stone. You put her to death. But that's not my way. My way is to show mercy, to give her another chance. And then John tells us that those who heard it and saw it were convicted by their conscience and all left the scene. And Jesus says, well, I guess there's no one here left to condemn you, so neither will I. Now go about and sin no more. And so that is the context of the passage from which you read at the beginning of this episode, Jason, where Jesus is speaking about the father of the Pharisees being the devil.
1: So I I think I see where you're going with this, Father, but of course I'll let you explain. So how should we understand these words of Jesus to the Pharisees that their father is the devil and they do his work?
0: I think it's clear from the context we just discussed that the work of the devil is to apply judgment to others instead of mercy. It's to emphasize the strictness of the law instead of the grace which we all need and require if we're to avoid condemnation at the judgment seat. And so the ultimate sin, according to Scripture, as I've said on previous episodes, is the sin of self-righteousness. The work of the devil is to accept God's mercy for yourself. But to apply the judgment of the law to others. One uh,
1: final question for me today, Father. In our reading, Jesus goes on to speak about the devil's nature and that he has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. Clearly, the devil is uh, is a real presence in our lives, uh, you know. Although some people deny this uh, as well, even as the existence of hell. So, what does Scripture actually teach us about this evil, and and how should we engage in this? spiritual warfare.
0: The best way to engage in the spiritual warfare is to always err on the side of showing mercy to others instead of judgment and condemnation. And now there's always a balance. We can be discerning, of course, about how we help people who are close to us or who are asking for our help. What I'm saying does not mean that we justify sin, as some, including the Pharisees, would say we do by showing mercy. It means that our default position, even when we are helping to correct others who have fallen into sin, even when they have asked for our help, is to understand that we as humans are weak and susceptible to sin. So it's inevitable that others around us will sin, and we need to show them mercy, compassion, understanding. You know, we say in the memorial prayer, there is no one who lives and does not sin. Then speaking of Jesus, we say, thou only art without sin. And if we truly believe that, then our default position should be, as Jesus' default position was, even though he himself never sinned, our default position should be mercy. As it says about Jesus in Hebrews, that he was made like us, fully human in every way, that he might become a merciful high priest. And let me conclude speaking about in engaging in this spiritual warfare by pointing us to the Lord's Prayer. And remember, we call it the Lord's Prayer because it's the prayer that Jesus specifically and precisely taught us to pray. And note some of the words in that prayer as they relate to our current discussion. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In other words, as I pointed out before in the context of today's reading, the work of the devil is to accept God's mercy for yourself, but to apply the judgment of the law to others. Thank you, Father.
1: In setting the stage for our discussion of today's reading, Father Aaron began by pointing out that John chapter 8 begins with Jesus going to the Mount of Olives. And this is significant because of the many times in the New Testament plays off of a connection between oil and mercy. And these two words in Greek are identical except for the last letter. Oil is eleon and mercy is eleos. We then went on to note three different parables in which Jesus teaches us about the importance of mercy and the critical role it will play in the final judgment. With this understanding as the foundation for our passage today, we discussed another example of mercy found in John 8, in which Jesus finds himself surrounded by Pharisees who wish to test him with the adulterous woman. Rather than condemning her as the law would demand, Jesus shows them another way, the law of mercy and grace. And so, in telling the Pharisees that their father is of the devil and that they do his will, Jesus is revealing to us that the work of the devil is to apply judgment to others instead of mercy. Finally, we discussed how best to engage in spiritual warfare, in which Father advised that we always err on the side of mercy rather than judgment and condemnation. This does not mean that we justify sin, as we must strike a balance in our discernment. But our default position should always be that of mercy. For the work of the devil is to accept God's mercy only for ourselves and apply the judgment of the law to others.
0: Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode.
1: Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia glory to Thee, o God. Alleluia, 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 glory to thee. O God, O our God and our hope, glory
0: to thee.